How we doing? Did you guys get lots of sleep last night? Yeah, yeah. Move that just a bit. Anybody fly here? Some of you? Like, raise your hand if you got here by airplane. Okay, some of you. I, I didn't like flying really for a lot of my life. Uh, first time on a, a plane was eighth grade trip to D.C., and so it was kind of my first experience. There was fine. Coming back, there were like tornadoes on the runway, and we had to divert to another airport, and the plane was like bouncing around, and I had like truly like some PTSD from that experience. So then as I became an adult, I really didn't want to fly, and, and I, I didn't think I was going to be a pastor. You know, I went to school to do something else. I was in corporate America, and then I had a job where I was flying every week, and it was terrible. I mean, like panic attacks, like sweaty palms, you know. Uh, you get really superstitious, and I was, I was a new believer, a new Christian, and you get really superstitious on the plane, you know, and it's like, so as soon as you, you know, hit some bumps, and like every time I'd get on a plane, like the pilot would come on and say, hey, we're going to experience some rough air today, you know, it's like the only kind of air I get is the rough kind when I'm on the plane, and so you experience the rough air, and, and it's like I pull out the Bible, start praying, you know, start counting, like, you know, doing whatever I can to, to make it be calm. And, and so one time, I remember Monica and I, my wife and I, were going to Miami for vacation. And uh, we get on the plane, and I'm, you know, I'm palm sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy, all the things. And... And I'm just like praying, and we get up in the air, and the pilot comes on. He's like, today we're going to experience some rough air. And I'm like, of course we are, because I'm on here. And, uh, and so I pull out my Bible. I know what to do. I start praying. You know, I'm reading the Bible. And we hit the rough air. And the plane just like drops out of the sky. My Bible bounces off of the ceiling. You know, the guy in front of me had coffee in his lap. It bounced off the ceiling. wasn't good, you know. And, and this, there's this lady, this older lady behind me and she's with her grandkids and she just starts praying out loud and so I like recline my seat and I reach back and I just grab her hand and she kind of like opens one eye like whose hand is that I was like just keep praying lady you know <laughs> and and so I'm just praying with this strange grandmother and and then I got you know I'm like wait a minute I'm a pastor you know like this isn't how I go out. Like, I, God's not going to take me out on an airplane. I work for him professionally, you know. And then I start looking around the plane. And I realize it's just full of college spring breakers. And I'm like, what if I'm collateral damage, you know. <laughs> like, his wrath comes down. He's like, you got on the wrong plane today, pastor. And, and as I tried to, like, figure out how to get over that fear of flying, and I began to kind of peel back the layers, I realized I wasn't afraid of flying. I was afraid of giving up control. And I say that to you because as I look back on my life, just as a reminder, I grew up in the church. Uh, I grew up going to church multiple times a week. I grew up going to a school where we went to church. I, I would have told you I was a Christian. I would have shared the gospel with you. But when I had the freedom to do what I wanted to do, what I didn't do was follow Jesus. And I think 
What held me back is I didn't want to give him control of my life. I had heard that he wants to be Lord of my life, and honestly, I wanted to be Lord of my life. When nobody else was looking, when no one is around me, I wanted to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. And that kept me from going all in with Jesus. And so yesterday, we talked about why follow Jesus, and today I want to talk about what keeps you from following Jesus. And to say that in a different way, what keeps you from going all in with Jesus? Because when I talk about following Jesus, I'm not talking about you checking the box. I'm a Christian. I own a Bible. I memorized a verse. I go to church sometimes. That's not what it means to follow Jesus. That is not what God is calling you to. And in fact, what kept me from following Jesus was doing those things. Because it was like just enough. See, some of you, you have just enough Jesus that you can't really enjoy the world. And you have just enough world that you can't really enjoy Jesus. You're losing at both games. And so I'm asking the question, what keeps us from going all in with Jesus? And where I'm going to be is in Mark chapter 10. Again, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, second book in the New Testament. You turn to the back of your Bibles to the New Testament. I'm going to be in Mark chapter 10. And I'm going to teach to you one of my favorite stories in the Bible, one of the most confusing stories in the Bible. I've taught it. The very first sermon that I ever gave was this story, but I've never in my life until today taught it from Mark chapter 10, which is actually, I think, the right gospel to tell this story from. Uh, I can explain that to you why I believe that later. Ask me sometimes, but I'm going to be in Mark chapter 10. Some of you are here and you're all in with Jesus. Today, I just want to spur you on. I want to say keep going. Some of you are here today and you're all out with Jesus. You came here to hook up. You came here because you, you thought, hey, there's, there's somebody you're attracted to was coming. Somebody invited you. You're here for all the wrong reasons. And, and I want to call you to go all in with Jesus. Some of you are here and you think you're all in with Jesus and you're not. And I want to wake you up. So th those are my stated goals over the next few minutes that we have together. Um, I'll explain this text. It is the, a text that you may have heard called the rich young ruler. Uh, we, we know that uh, the, the gospel of Matthew, where it shows up in Matthew 19, uh, it says that he was young. Where it shows up in Luke 18, it says that he was a ruler and in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it says that he was a wealthy person. This guy is the OG celebrity pastor, okay? He would have been a celebrity uh, rabbi, if you will. This is the guy that everyone looks at as, hey, he, he is the one that is closest to God. He's got it going on. He, he's got the TikTok account, millions of followers, millions of followers on Instagram. Like, he's an influencer brand. He's repping brands. Like, that's this guy. You would want to be him. You, you, would, you, you can be rich and a Christian, like hashtag goals. That's this guy. We're going to look at three common misunderstandings that keep you from going all in with Jesus. Verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him. And fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. This is a really confusing text. This guy asked the same question you're asking right now. If I'm going to die and I'm going to be somewhere forever, I want to go to heaven. If I choose heaven or hell, I'm going to go to heaven. What do I got to do to get into heaven? To which you would think Jesus would say, what do you got to do to get to heaven? Well, I'm Jesus, the Son of God. I'm going to die for your sins. Trust in me. I'm going to raise from the dead. Right? But he doesn't. Jesus begins going after this man's idols because where this man says good teacher, what he's not saying is man who teaches well, the word in the Greek is agathos, it's intrinsically good. He's saying man who is perfect, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says what must you do? You, you got to keep all the rules. Because the only way, listen, hear me out, the only way that you can get to heaven on your own is by keeping all the rules. The guy said, what must I do? Jesus said, what must you do? Be perfect. And this is where the man should say, oh man, I tried. But I failed. But he doesn't. He says, I am. I've done it. I've, I've kept all the rules. And so my first point is misunderstanding your role will keep you from going all in with Jesus. Misunderstanding your role the role that you play. What was interesting is when I was afraid to fly, the way that I felt in my heart is I would rather be flying the plane than the person who went to school to learn how to fly the plane and has spent hundreds of thousands of hours or thousands of hours in the sky flying the plane. I would rather fly the plane because I want to be in control and I'm misunderstanding my role. I'm not the pilot, I'm the passenger. And, and if you think that you're going to get to heaven by your works or what you do and all you need to get right with Jesus is to stop doing this and start doing this, you've misunderstood your all. The way that you get right with God is you trust fully in who his son is and what he's done for you. He's a savior, you're a sinner. The only person Jesus cannot save is the person who doesn't realize their need to be saved. So the person who's closest to God is the one who comes to God and says, I'm, I'm, I'm dirty. I'm messed up. I've gone my own way. I've done my own things. I've failed time and time again. God, I need you. Once we realize our need for a Savior, then we find one in Jesus. I was talking to a Baylor student the other day. Comes up after the message, comes to the stage, wants to talk. College student. Grew up in a Christian home. His dad was a pastor. He's a PK. He's going to Baylor. Then he wants to go to Truett Seminary to become a pastor himself. This is the real deal Christian, you would think. Riddled with anxiety. Struggling, worried about grades and tasks, relationships, friends, trying to fit in, just overwhelmed with anxiety. Wants help. Hey, can you help me? I'm a pastor's kid. I'm going to go to seminary. I love God. And I just 
listen, man, I've been sharing the gospel with Christians for, since I've become one because I thought I was a Christian. So I just say, I ask them two questions. This is how I share the gospel. Between 1 and 10, 10 being certain, 1 being not so sure, if you died today, how certain are you that you would go to heaven? Listen, I want you to answer that right now. In your mind, you don't have to say your number out loud. So let me just give you the question again, because this is like group participation. You're going to think of a number, 1 through 10, in your head right now. Between 1 and 10. 10, I'm certain, without a doubt, I, if I died right now, if this building blew up, I'm waking up in glory. I have no doubt. 1, I'm pretty sure I'm not. Building blows up right now, I'm waking up in a bunch of fire and gnashing of teeth and pain and torment and agony. Between 1 and 10, where are you at? How certain are you that you would go to heaven if you died right now? That's what I asked him. Dad's a pastor. He's going to seminary. He says, oh, man, I'm a 7. I'm a 7. That's interesting to me because that's the way I answered the question 22 years ago when someone asked me. I said I was a 7. And I said, so the second question, you stood before God and he says, why should I let you in? What would you say? So I'm asking you now. In your mind, answer this question. You're standing before Jehovah Creator, and he says, insert your name. You're looking face to face to God, and he says, why should I let you in my kingdom? What do you say? Think of your answer. This PK, seminary student-to-be, says, well, because I love him. Because I've always gone to church. Because I try hard. Because I want to do the right thing. And this young man is this young man. Because nobody gets to heaven for those reasons. No one in the history of the world has ever gotten into heaven because they loved God and they tried hard and they went to church and they did the right things. Because, like this man, no one has ever done the right things. Except one. He's our Savior. He's the only way you get to heaven. Guys, you got to hear this, okay? You have to understand this. The only way you're going to be with God forever is because he's purchased your way in through his son Jesus Christ. If I give you tickets to the Cowboys game and you go over to AT&T Stadium and they say, why should I let, hey, whoa, whoa, why should we let you in? And you say, well, because I've been good and I've tried hard. You know, I followed all the rules and I went to church and I was born to a Christian family. You don't get in. But if you say, oh, because I've got tickets. And they say, well, did you pay for the tickets? They say, no, it was a gift. Someone gave them to me. That's how you get into heaven. God gifted you your way into heaven by purchasing it with the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. What will keep you from going all in with Jesus is not realizing your desperation for Jesus. Jesus looked at him, verse 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad 
because he had great wealth. See, I always like looked at this and I always thought Jesus was messing with this dude. Like I, like I would always read this because I would read it in Luke 18 all the time. And, and I would think that Jesus was just like, oh, you want heaven, huh? Okay, we'll see how bad you want it. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor and follow me. Oh, you sad? You look sad. That's how I thought this was going down. But, but Mark includes this detail. He shows us the heart of Jesus. Jesus looked at him and loved him. And Jesus didn't want this young college student to miss out on the kingdom. Say, no, 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 no. Let me show you your idols. He says, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, this is not children like little kids, this is children like my sons and daughters, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Let me put a pause here and just say, your greatest desires right now, some of your greatest desires are that you would fill your lives with with things that will keep you from knowing God. Like the things that we pray for are the things that the scripture says is dangerous. God, I want to be rich. Would you, would you give me lots of money and lots of influence and lots of things and lots of stuff and lots of status, lots of trinkets and lots of treasures? And he says, you don't understand how dangerous what you're asking for is. It's easier for a camel to go through a tiny little hole then for you to enter the kingdom with those things that are going to distract you from me so that you never realize your need for me. And then the reason they say, well, who then can be saved? I, the way I explain this is, is we don't understand in 2023 in America what's happening here is, is, again, this guy that's talking to Jesus, everyone would have seen as like the goat of faith. It's like... They say, hey, Jesus, we want to get to heaven. He goes, you want to get to heaven, you got to be fast. And they say, well, how fast do we have to be? And he goes, you know Usain Bolt? He's not fast enough. And they go, well, who then can be saved? That's what's happening in this text. They're like, whoa, if he's not getting in, then who's getting in? And that's what Jesus says, with man it is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Even the rich and influential can enter the kingdom with God. His mercy and grace is that great. My second point is fear of surrender will keep you from going all in with Jesus. I I put that here because it says the man left sad. Fear of surrender will keep you from going all in. Here's another conversation I have at the front of the stage all the time. Somebody comes up, man, male or female, you know. Say, hey, you want to go all in with Jesus? Ah, man, you know, yeah, I want to. And I'm like, okay, well, let's go, you know. And I, I don't know, man. I'm like, what is it? And they're afraid of giving up something. You know, whether it's vaping or, you know, smoking or, or drinking or sex or pornography. They're like, I just don't know. I'm just not there yet. And so let's just go with sex. I know that's probably not relevant to any of you. But there's somebody there and they're thinking, hey, I just don't want to give up sex. And, and I'm like, okay, let me just ask you a question. And so it's a, let's just say it's a guy and he's sleeping with his girlfriend. And, 
and I say, hey, uh, you know, if, if I said, hey, if you have sex with her one more time before you're married, you're going to suffer uh, a, a torturous, painful death for the rest of your life until you die. Uh, would you do it? He's like, no way. Cool. If I said, hey, if you can withstand having sex with her, right, uh, I'm going to give you a billion dollars. Could you do it? He's like, a billion dollars? Yeah. <laughs> Great. Okay. You don't have a behavior problem. You have a belief problem. You don't have a behavior problem. You have a belief problem. You're not renewing your mind around the truths and realities of God. You just do, you want to be God. You, you're Lord of your own life. Now, now hear me out. Um, let me just say this disclaimer here. Uh, you know, torture on earth and a billion dollars pale in comparison to the horrors of hell and the glories of heaven. And let me say this also, that having sex with someone is not going to keep anyone out of heaven. But loving sex more than Jesus will. Making sex your savior will. You don't have a behavior problem. You have a belief problem. If there's something that's holding you back from going all in with Jesus, that something is stupid. It's not worth it. There's a video I watch all the time that's just become this ongoing illustration of my life, and it's, it's called How to Catch a Baboon. <laughs> so if you don't learn anything else from me today, you'll learn how to catch a baboon. And, and so it's just the guy, you know, he's in Africa somewhere. He's kind of like on the African plain, and, and there's a termite mound, which evidently they're like made of concrete, essentially. And he, he drills a hole in the termite mound, and, and this baboon's watching him from the tree, and he plays, takes this little trinket, this little silver seed of the kind of ball thing, and he places it in the hole in the termite mound. And the baboon watches him the whole time, really curious animal. And when the man leaves, the baboon goes, and he puts his hand in the hole in the termite mound, and he grabs the little silver ball thing, and he can get his hand in, but he can't get his fist out. So when he closes his fist around that, that little ball, he can't get it out. And so the man then comes up, and as he walks closer to the baboon, he just starts going crazy, and he's squealing and screeching and flipping. It's like he's going to rip his arm off. And the man just, you know, calmly places a noose around his neck. Right? Gotcha. Wouldn't let go. This is what Satan does. Oh, you can't let go of him? That them I got you I can keep you from the glorious riches of Jesus all because of what you won't let go of verse 28 then Peter spoke up he's watching this whole thing go down with Jesus and the rich young ruler and Peter says We've left all we had to follow you. We did it, Jesus. We did what you're asking this guy to do. We did it. And Jesus says, truly I tell you, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. 
He says, we did it. We left everything. Jesus says, look at me. Look at me. You haven't left anything. I've taken it. I've multiplied it. And I've placed it in front of you. See, I think some of us, we think, oh, go, if I go all in with Jesus, it's all cost, man. Here's what you're saying. God's not good. He's not good. Can't trust him. He might keep me single. He might keep me poor. He might keep me ugly. He might keep me unpopular and lonely and abandoned and depressed. It's interesting. I thought he was really good. I thought he was a really good God. I thought he loved you. He's crazy about you. And I, I thought he gives you better than what you could give yourself. Now, there'll be persecutions, it says. In this world, you will have trouble. But don't get stuck at the cost. Because what you receive in return for following God is infinitely better than the cost. This is my third point. Misunderstanding the cost will keep you from going all in with Jesus. I don't, I don't think, like I want to talk to the believers here for a second, if you're Jesus follower. I think we think too much about defense and not enough about offense. Like we're always like, oh, I'm not going to watch R-rated movies or listen to Drake or, you know, I'm going to cut this out of my life and uh, I'm going to stop cussing and stop doing that and stay away from them. And, and you just struggle. You're like, like a dog does vomit. Oh, I looked at porn again. I did that again. I did that. I hung out with them again. I did it again. I went too far again. But what if you went on offense? Like, what if you, again, I'm just talking to the believers. What if you left here and you're like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to share, I'm going to share the gospel with every single human being I see. We can't just do that. Why not? Why not? I'm just going to help every single person I need with whatever help they need. Like, I'm just going to give my life away. Like, from this moment forward till I'm face-to-face -face with Jesus, I'm just going to radically love every single human being I come in contact with. Can't, can't do that. Why not? What if you went on offense? My hunch is you'd stop like a dog to his vomit going back to the sin that's so easily entangled you. And you get really distracted with doing all the things that God has called you to do. I didn't want to go all in with Jesus because I thought it meant change. And here's the truth, it did. It did mean change. It did mean change. Somebody had, when I became a Christian, <laughs> like when you're not a Christian, you just do the same things over and over. Sin really robs you of creativity. So like for me, it's like I would go to the same bar, run up the same bar tab, Try to go home with a stranger, you know, it's like wash, rinse, repeat, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And I was like, oh, I'm living life. It's like, no, it's so stupid. I became a Christian and I was invited on this mission trip to Africa. Now, I always like before that, I would always dream about going places like this, but now I'm a Christian, right? And I go and, and I'm going with these people and there's one guy that's like, hey, I'd like to stay over and do a photo safari. Does anybody want to go with me? And I'm thinking, man, I'd love to, but I had just gone through a job change, and so with a big financial shift in our lives, and, and I'm like, I, can't, I would love to, but I can't afford it. And he, he goes, I'll pay for it. And I was like, yeah, I'm in. Okay, I'll carry your bags, whatever you need, I'm in. And so we, we went on this mission trip, and we stayed over, and I, I kept asking questions like, hey, where are we going to stay? What are we going to eat? And he's like, oh, I bet you they'll have some food for us, you know. 
And, and, he, and I remember, like, he was like, does anybody want to go? And there was a group of people, and I was kind of like, man, why did no one else raise their hand? Like, no, why did no one else say, hey, I'm in? And I was like, man, they must not know, you know, where we're going, what we're doing. I don't know. Maybe it's not cool. We land this airplane in the middle of the African jungle. This guy picks us up in this Defender 110. We're driving, and there's just animals everywhere, giraffe and zebra. You know, the, on, the, on the horizon, there's the king of the jungle, the lion. There's no fence, nothing man-made. We're just driving through the jungle. It's amazing. And we get to this, this big gate in this kind of tree canopy, and the gate slowly opens up. First man-made thing we see, and we drive into this thick canopy of trees. And as we drive in, then it opens up to this resort in the middle of the jungle, like Four Seasons, Ritz-Carlton. And there's this infinity swimming pool, right? There's a baboon just, like, drinking from the pool. I'm like, I know how to catch you, bro. And... And, uh, and there's like, like elephants in the distance and they take me to my tent. My tent has this California king size bed and granite floor and like shower. And, and, and they would keep it warm with these hot water bottles. Amazing. I was like, I can't believe this is, the most, this is the most amazing place I've ever been. And I laid in that bed and I was like, how come nobody else raised their hand? How come nobody else raised their hand? It's like, maybe they don't know. They didn't know. I, I don't know. I don't think we think about heaven enough. It's going to be awesome, man. It's going to be so good. This guy, he's talking to Jesus. And Jesus is like, hey, follow me. And he goes, I can't. I got a lot of stuff. <laughs> don't you know? All his stuff is Jesus' stuff. The cattle on a thousand hills belong to Jesus. Like, like Jesus... Oh, like Jesus made this guy. He formed him in his mother's womb. He was there when, when he and the Father and the, the Holy Spirit thought him into existence. And there he is face to face with the creator of the heavens and the earth. All things were created by him and for him. And he's like, I can't, I got some stuff. I got some followers. People like me. I can't follow you. Jesus invited him on the opportunity of a lifetime. Like you're thinking like, oh yeah, heaven, one day, far off. No, today, today. Listen, I've, I've done what you tried to get lost in. I found something better. I'm totally sober right now. I'm not controlled under any substance. I'm in my right mind and I'm sad. I'm telling you, this is better, more fun, less scars. It's better. It's better. It's better than what you have. It's better. He's better. Jesus is the real rich young ruler. This guy, he missed out. He could have been someone we, the 13th disciple, someone we name our children after. Matthew, John, and instead all we know him by is three adjectives. We don't even know his name. He's no longer rich. He's no longer young. He's not ruling anything. He missed out. He missed out. So what will keep you from going all in? Misunderstanding your role. Fear of surrender and misunderstanding the cost. The way I got over my fear of flying is I sat next to a pilot one day and he saw that I was anxious. He said, everything okay? I was like, no, man, I'm just afraid like the wing's going to fall off. He's like, the wing's going to fall off. 
He's like, when's the last time you were reading in the paper, like, a wing just fell off? I was like, I don't know. It just seems like it's going to, you know. And he goes, no, nah, man, these things love to fly. He said, they were built to fly. And I go, yeah, but what about the pilot? Like, are you guys getting nervous when you hit rough air? He goes, nervous? Like, do you know who, who these guys are? Like, they're fighter pilots. They used to shoot down bad guys in the military. Like, like, like they're so bored up here. Like, when we hit rough air, that's our favorite part. Because we can like actually take over from the computer because up until then it's just the computer flying. Like now we get to actually use the skills that we have. And it's like our favorite part when we hit rough air. No, we got you, man. That, that's just the plane just moving around. And there's nothing to be afraid of. He goes, listen, when you leave the plane next time, I want you to look at the pilot. I want you to look at the gray hair on their heads. I want you to look at the stripes on their sleeves, the patches, the decorations on their uniform. Those guys have spent tens of thousands, some of them hundreds of thousands of hours in the sky. Understand their experience. The only way that I can go all in with someone is if I trust that they're going to get me where I need to go better than I would. Would you understand? Hey, listen, look at me. Would you consider the experience of Jesus, the one who's asking you to follow him? He spoke everything you know into existence. He saved his people from slavery, he created a way from them by, for them by parting the sea, he gave them a way out. He unlocks wounds, he provided water from a rock, he provided daily food from nowhere, he brought down the enemy's walls, he froze the sun allowing victory, he toppled giants with tiny stones. He brought down fire from heaven. He preserved life in the belly of a whale. He kept men alive in a furnace. He shut the mouths of lions. He fed thousands with a few loaves. He gives the weak strength. He heals the sick. He's made the blind see, the deaf ear, the mute speak, the lame walk, and he's overcome evil by dying on a cross for you and me, giving us the hope of eternal life with God that we can live with him forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. A hundred years from now, still with them, thousand years from now still with them a hundred billion years from now still with God in paradise don't miss out on that because you want some stuff because you've got some trinkets and some treasures because you want to build a life for you here now I always ask you guys this do you know your great-great-grandfather his name he was alive 50 years ago. Most of you don't even know his name. What that means is nobody's going to know your name. All that matters is what you do for, for the rest of the hours that God gives you on the earth in the name of Jesus Christ. That's all that matters. Nothing else matters. Like you're not going to get up there and like 100 years from now and be like, man, I wish I was faster. I wish I had more sex. I wish I was better looking. I wish I had more style. Where was the German shepherd, the white picket fence? The house in the suburbs, you ripped me off, God. Nobody's going to have that conversation. I want to invite you now. It's no fanfare, no streamers, no confetti, no trophy, no prize. In your heart, listen. You're not too cool, you're not too arrogant, 
just to come before God and say, God, I have ran from you. I've done it my way. I'm so tired of running from you. Lord, I surrender before you. I know, I believe that you paid my way in through your son, Jesus Christ. That he died on the cross for my sins and you raised him from the dead. God, I can't do it on my own. I need your Holy Spirit. Would you come and live with me to help me overcome the sin that so easily entangles me and to live a life that honors you? Would you seal me forever with your Holy Spirit? Would you pray that now? I'm just going to give you a minute to pray that in your own place and space. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or raise your hand or anything. And in fact, if you're saying that for the first time and you mean it, I'm just going to ask you to tell the believers that you know, like, hey, today's my day. I want to go all in with Jesus today. I'm tired of playing games. I'm so glad you invited me here. I'm thankful. Like, you just talk to God right now. I'm going to be quiet for a second. You just talk to God. focus back to God, not to who's sitting next to you, what they're doing, what they're writing, what they're thinking. You and God, it's you, it's just like you're the only one in the room, you talk to God. Some of you haven't done that in a long, long time, some of you never have. God, we're tired of running. None of us are strong enough to save ourselves. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. Thank you for raising him from the dead. Thank you for giving us the hope of eternal life. Lord, would you renew our minds around the reality of the gospel would you surround us with people that know us and love you and love us and know you help us to walk faithfully to grow in your church to experience community protect us from the sin that so easily entangles us uh, would you help us to resist the enemy would you keep him back as he tries to to snatch this truth from us as we go back to old friends and old places and old habits and old surroundings, Lord, would you protect us? Would you send thousands of angels around us to keep us on the path? And would you make us new from the inside out? Would you clean us, Lord? We love you so much.